Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Headstock with me, Lane Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. My guest today has spent nearly 30 years helping clients and teams solve complex and challenging business issues. He has a relentless focus on establishing trusted client relationships, people development and diversity and inclusion, which has enabled him to hold several market facing and leadership roles in one of the big four accounting firms. It's all about leadership today on Heads Talk. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter. Jay Bassard is a senior partner and America's vice chair of risk management at Ernst Young. He's a member of the America's Operating Executive, US Executive Committee, and Global Practice Group. Additionally, in his tenure, he has led various regional business units and global accounts teams. Jay is a global citizen who has lived and worked in a number of continents. He firmly understands the complexities and disruption that are brought about by change. Nevertheless, with his leadership skills, such situations are readily converted into opportunities. And he's going to talk more about this in the course of the discussion. Academically, Jay is a member of the Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. He has also attended Harvard Business School and has a Bachelor of Commerce in Business Finance and Accounting. Let's now have a conversation. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jay to Heads Talk. Delighted to have you here today. Thank you, Elaine. How are you? I'm good. All the better for hearing you. Um, you know, as stated, this episode is all about leadership. And I've been looking forward to this conversation since our preliminary talk a few weeks ago. So let's begin with this. Jay, how do you define leadership today? What are the traits that's in and what's out? Oh, Elaine, you ask big questions. <laughs> uh, so um, defining leadership. I mean, oh, my goodness. There have been thousands of books written on this, I'm sure. Um, maybe the way I think about it, uh, and certainly it's become very evident over the past couple of years during the pandemic. Um, for me, leadership is something that, it, that, that, that has two parts. Uh, one is, one part is what your team gives you. Uh, leadership has to be gifted to you by your team. They have mm-hmm. to be willing uh, to let you lead. Not to be confused with the other part, which is authority that's imparted upon you mostly by the organization that you work for. Mm-hmm. So there are rules, there are controls and those things we execute on them, call them operating activities, if you like, um, that you know we all learn that in our careers and we do it almost automatically, but that's not to be confused by the thing that's most important to your teams, which is to inspire them. Mm-hmm. Um, in, inspiration, uh, is hugely important. You know, the, the, you have to paint a vision of the future, especially Elaine, as you think about the last couple of years, the dark moments that we began this pandemic. Mm. Uh, I think good, good leadership <clears throat> required that each of us found a way uh, to make sure that we could see the light at the end of the tunnel, which is becoming brighter. So that's very, very important. Mm-hmm. And inspiration, um, you have to listen to people. You have to make sure that you are 
there and that you not only do you hear the words but you act on them and then we have lots of surveys that we've done on the farm studies uh, focused on empathy and things of the like where you know just about everybody want they they want the leader they want the the, the employer to be able to to be authentic to be able to act when they hear what the employees want or what the teams want mm -hmm. and that at the end of the day uh, people have to feel like their words and their actions their words result in actions and their thoughts are the ones that are being listened to by the leaders so they, they it's it's much more personal I, I think from my perspective elaine right now you know, it's a time where we have to overinvest in making sure that we are connecting with each of our teams and the leader's responsibility is primordial and all of that. Okay. What, what would you say is out in, in terms of a, a trait that was once there for leaders? Ah, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's that part where yeah, I remember this when I was growing up in my professional life that you know, I, I would look at the people who would be leading the teams that I served on where it was important for them to, what's the right word, to seem somewhat invincible, that they know everything. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yes. They, they, um, so, you know, it, it, you had to be the person that, that would be viewed as being almost yeah. infallible, yeah. you know. And certainly, I think the vulnerability and the authenticity that I was referring to earlier you know, what goes hand in hand with that is, is the individuals or the leader's ability to demonstrate that and to show uh, that we really don't know everything. Mm. Far from it, in fact, because the world is changing so quickly. And so much of what we need to do, we have to depend on other people to yeah. identify the issues and to help us to find the right answer. So I think vulnerability is absolutely critical. And I think in the past, we used to look at that trait as something akin to weakness. And I think that's definitely out of the equation today. Hmm. Just as a side question, um, you said it twice, and I've heard it um, loads of times, authenticity, authenticity. What exactly do we mean by that? Well, um, who are you? So Elaine, if, if you go into, you know, your job, right, you, you go into your team, you go into your workplace, um, and you step into that room and you're there with a group of people, uh, do, you, do you show them who you really are? And let's say you're the leader of the team, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you bring a bunch of experiences with you and there's an expectation in that room that you know what to do. Mm -hmm. But do you feel secure enough to say to that group that you may only know half of what needs to be done and that you need to draw on the expertise of others? Um, to me, that's a big part of this. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I mean, you, I, you see me on video here. I mean, people on this podcast won't see me, but I, I live in the United States, so I'm a visible minority. Mm -hmm. And I have a background. I've lived in a number of different countries and I speak other languages. But um, as I sort of adapted to this country, you know, it took me some time to sort of get used to the fact that uh, some of the things that I would bring with me would not come from the community with which, you know, within which I was working to begin with. Mm -hmm. I had to get used to demonstrating that, you know, I brought a bunch of things to the table that were different and that in some ways almost insist on sharing them. And I think it's, it's not only is it the, the knowledge part of it, it's also the, 
the experiences, the culture, you know, that you bring with you mm -hmm. into an organization. I think each of us sometimes feel a little bit shy about sharing that, but mm -hmm. it's on us to, to sort of step up and share it. Um, and I think the sum total of that team, you know, people talk about diversity. For me, you know, the, the inclusion of different people, diverse people, if you like thought, looks, what have you. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that creates unique culture. Right, and, and each of us contribute to it. Um, and we should contribute to it by bringing ourselves there. And then the sum total of that, which is the biggest challenge of leadership is to sort of manage all of that, right? Mm -hmm. Then you come up with something that's really unique. Some people refer to it as, as the secret sauce of organizations. We talk about it that way in EY and we try very hard to make sure that the teams that we put together, um, people are different and that it takes a little bit longer sometimes to get to the answer that you want to link, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but once you get there, I think you develop the kind of organization or the kind of team being more specific that over time will be far more effective because then you get the best out of everyone who's there. Mm. You know, I, I could actually do this episode just on this one question and talk some more about it. I think I've got a couple of questions swimming in my head about that, but we, ha we have to move on. Um, and, and, and let's look closely at your role, um, especially during the last 18 months. You, you've, touched about, you've touched upon it in answering the, the first question. How would you say, if at all, the pandemic has modified your, Jay's activities in the leadership space? Oh, um, well, let me just maybe go back a little bit of lane to the beginning of all of this. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in the I beginning. Mean, in the beginning, in February of 2020, <laughs> which is when we in this country figured out that this was a really serious thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we had to, it was a crisis that none of us could really visualize would last this long, mm -hmm. right? You know, we had in our minds, and, and, and my job, part of my job is, is crisis management. Um, we had in our minds that this would be something that, you know, we would kind of get through in a few months, mm -hmm. notwithstanding that we didn't really um, have a playbook for it. I mean, we had a playbook for crises, right? Yeah. yeah. But, and we had exercises for, for pandemics and the like, but we'd never seen one before. And so... I mean, the change, the big change was just an, an incredible amount of work um, just at the very beginning of it. And, and as you know, in crises, the most important thing is that you have clear, you know, lines of command, right? You have to have, you can't have 10 different people trying to sort of make the rules, mm -hmm. communicate them. You have to have a, a direct line from the, the top of the organization clear lines of communication, constant communication and clarity as to who's responsible for what. So we made sure all of that was put in place and that we know how to do. Um, and then we constantly communicated. Um, the big change for me, because I had never lived through anything like this before, was that I had to sort of just accept, you know, back to what I was saying earlier, right from the beginning that I didn't really know you know, what to do uh, when it came to the science behind this virus. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, certainly I wasn't alone in that. I, I, I think most of us didn't know, but, but my, 
in my mind, you know, I'm responsible for this. People are looking, looking to me. I should know, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but did not. And so anyway, the, we went out and we found experts and we hired them. Um, and we did the best we could. But that, that big change for me was, was this expression of, 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 what's the word I used earlier, vulnerability? Yes, right? yes, yes. And actually saying to people, saying to our organization of thousands of people that, you know, here's where we are, here's where we think we're going, yeah. <laughs> um, here's what we know, and here's what we don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And be very open with that right at the beginning. And then as time passed, um the the knowing part of the, the knowing column of the page became bigger mm -hmm. <laughs> not known mm -hmm. started to get smaller but <clears throat> it was an exercise in the thing i said at the beginning of this podcast tonight yeah and sort of you know making myself the example of somebody you know being as vulnerable uh, as i needed to be and obviously i i must have received from people you know thousands of emails with suggestions right about what we should do some yeah, of them yeah, really yeah. help um as you can imagine but it created a level of dialogue within our organization uh even in a crisis that you know i, I was frankly surprised at and, and, and in some ways extremely supportive yeah. you know me and, and a team that was working pretty hard to try yeah. to get us through it you, you're pretty much saying what um uh, quite a few of my guests in your position have said it was all about communication, constant communication, regular communication, consistent communication. That's all they could do at the time. And, and another um, thing was, I think, the uncertainty. It was okay to be uncertain. It was okay to show that you were uncertain and, and you, you know, the vulnerability that you mentioned. And the pandemic enabled that. So, so, so basically, that's what you were saying in, in, in terms of what the, the new additional things that were going on in, in your leadership space, yeah? Yeah, you you said it perfectly, Elaine. Right. Okay. This one is, is a is a fascinating one, and I really would like your take on this. It touches upon question one again. I think question one theme is going to be running all the way through this um, conversation. It's what are your clients saying about the leadership traits? You know, some of the ones we've talked about that's come to the fore since the start of the pandemic, or even you know the last 18, 24 months. And um, it'd be interesting to know: is it a positive conversation? Um, I think it, it, it is definitely a positive conversation because, and I say that maybe because I'm, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we are concerned, every one of our clients, uh, are concerned about the well-being of our people mm -hmm. and, and you, you see the traits or uh, the, you know, the, 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 the biggest challenge you see the expression maybe of the concern is people talking about things like the great resignation and the great revolt yeah. and all of those things. You've seen that, I'm sure, Elaine. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I have. Yeah, and, and in my mind, that's, that's, that's the result of people being, you know, what's the word, fed up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, being alone, uh, isolated, uh, living in, you know, over Zoom and that sort of thing. Um, just prioritizing. We're just prioritizing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been very difficult because you've had people's lives, certainly at the beginning, you know, their personal and business lives mixed mm -hmm. together. They had to deal with a lot of kinds of family responsibilities while working. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we invested an incredible amount of time and resources in helping people to, 
to, to get the right support they needed so that they could be as effective as they can, even with all of that. And mm -hmm. many of our clients did the same thing. I think people are still uh, tired having been through this. And so, you know, what's really going on, right? When, when you watch that happen, well, what's going on? I think it's, we're seeing the result of, you know, social animals, all of us as human beings being forced into sort of our homes, right? Yes. And having to work. Isolation. <laughs> Yeah, isolation, exactly. And, and the, while the electronics are helpful, they're, they're not enough. And so people being fed up, they'll try anything in some mm -hmm. cases. They'll maybe even go to a similar job, right? As mm -hmm. the one they had right now because they want change. And so, and then you have on top of that, you have all of this pent up demand, if you like it, right? Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, in the United States, focused on the US for a minute, you've had a whole bunch of stimulus. People have more money in their bank accounts now than they ever did and they want to spend it, right? Mm -hmm. So you have all this pent up demand out there and obviously the businesses that are more digital that can do things online and all of that are mm -hmm. have great demand for, for, for their products and services. They need people. And so mm -hmm. they're now sort of reaching out and you know pulling on, on people from other companies. So you have sort of an economy that's in the throes of massive shifts, right? Mm -hmm. and Maybe these uh, trends that were causing the shifts were in, in place before, right? So the, the, you know, the whole digital revolution and whatnot was already happening, but the pandemic has just accelerated all of that. It's made it move at 10 times the speed. And then you have people who are moving with that trend. Yeah. And we have to find ways of adjusting to it and we're fed up. And then what people decide is that I just wanna go do something else because I can't handle this anymore. And so I say all of this because everyone is dealing with this challenge, right? And so then your question would be, well, what do we do about that, right? I, mm -hmm. I, I think one of the things that organizations should pride ourselves on, we, we do, uh, is our culture um, and is a culture of caring, of well-being, of mm -hmm. teaming, of transparency, mm -hmm. all of those you know, nice words, important values-driven you know, type organization. Mm -hmm. uh, while we can do that electronically, it's really, really important, Elaine, that we get people back together, right? Mm -hmm. Because because I think the the physical aspect of work, of spending time together, not like not the way we used to, right? Um, every day of the week. Yeah. But Some we have hybrid form of it. Yes, yes, we have to. That's well said. The hybrid work. We have to find a way to get people together so that we can feel the benefits of being in teams again. It's one of those things that while you're doing it, if you think about before the pandemic, while you're in your teams or in your groups and you're working together and socializing together, you almost take it for granted. You do, right? you do. Yeah. I actually and, feel sorry for some of the um, younger guys that kind of started at the outbreak of the pandemic and never really got a chance to bond and sort of, you know, work with the teams that they, you know, 18 months down the line, it's going to be a, a sort of a strange feeling for them getting together with the, with the teams now. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm very concerned about that. So, you know, having, we have maybe two start years in our business mm -hmm. uh, where people have joined us without really experiencing what I consider to be the most important part of working here, yeah. um, which is being, having the experience of being with others you know, learning from others, spending time with each other. And so that, that, that to me is a huge priority 
for us to get back to that. And that started, we opened up all our offices mm -hmm. around the Memorial Day weekend here in the United States. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time and effort in upgrading the, 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 the ventilation and filtration controls of our buildings. And we got some good advice earlier yeah, that's on. Yeah, the thing, isn't it? Everyone uh, needs to feel safe now. There's, yeah, there's yeah. There's a need for safety. Yeah, we'll, we're over 90% vaccinated. I mean, so, so our offices are open, people are using it. Mm -hmm. So that started, obviously the, the variants, you know, the Delta, now the Omicron, you know, that, that yeah, caused yeah. this concern. Yeah. Now we've got, and, and I suspect year on year, we're going to have the same thing. And it'd be really foolish to close down the economy like it was happening in one or two countries as a result of that. Um, yeah. You can't keep doing that. You have to, at some point, live with it. You have mm -hmm. to get on with it. So that's another thing. Okay, um, let's move on, um, you know, you sort of talked about it in the previous um, answer to the thing. I, I could tell that you've been in the professional service business for, you know, a long time, 30 years, actually. Um, and you've seen a lot of changes in your time, especially changes in, I don't know, focus, priorities and um, direction, et cetera, et cetera. What would you say um, were the main risks to the business of yesteryear? What are the risks today? What, what would you say are the risks today? And can you hazard a guess at... What will be the risk in say 10 years time? First, the risk of the past. What, what, was, what were they? Um, so I, I mentioned earlier that, that you, know, you, have, you have trends that are in society and then you know, crises tend to accelerate them, Elaine, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, the, uh, and so you know, you know that old saying, I think on it, there's a coin. One side's opportunity, and the other side is is danger. Yeah. Um, the so if you look at let's let's use the example of of digitization, or just call it technological change, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's been around forever, right? That technology <clears throat> simply would drive uh, existing businesses obsolete if they did not find a way to adapt to it. And that's well known. We've seen that over and over. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if you go through the pandemic, you, you saw that the businesses that thrived were the ones that were able to, you know, to work from home, the ones that were able to sort of deliver food to your home, what have you, mm -hmm. that you transact over the internet. The ones that adapt, yeah. Exactly. And so, and so today, if you look at the supply chains of many organizations, the majority of them are still not digitized, mm. right? <laughs> and that's why you're having all, it's one of the reasons why you're having all these supply chain problems, right? Mm. If, you, if you think about all of the, the breakpoints in goods that are shipped all over the world, something that we did a good job of in moving manufacturing plants everywhere, but we did a poor job of actually making sure that the processes such that the goods get from production to use are as efficient as they can be. That to me is the biggest thing that's gonna be happening now, right? So you're gonna have, in fact, there was another survey that I saw this morning from our firm where almost 80% of companies, you know, have told us that this is the biggest change that they're gonna have in the next few years, that their supply chain is going to change, that they have to. And it doesn't mean that you're, doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be moving plants around the world. It means you have to make it more harmonious. You have to simplify it and you have to digitize it. And, and so, the thing about sustainability, you have to make it sustainable. You have to make it sustainable. And then you, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you layer over on top of that, 
you know, the whole um, climate change issue, which is which is not an issue anymore, is an existential threat to us. At least we've all come to accept that, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's not something that we have a choice right now, but what we're going to do, overlay on that, the need for us to not only make sure that we are efficient and we're simple, but that we are being helpful to the planet. That we are not contributing to raising temperatures all around the world. There are rules coming out right now mm -hmm. by the regulators in the US and Europe around climate change and sustainability that will actually you know, force companies to meet certain standards, much like you have accounting standards today, Elaine, right? Mm -hmm. Those rules are coming out and then people, companies are gonna to have to make sure that they comply with them. So it's a risk and an opportunity, right? Is for us once and for all, make sure that we can work together to make this as smooth and as respectful to the environment at the same time. So uh, I don't know if I answered your question in terms of a, yeah. a risk that you, I see. You, you sort of answer the question generally. Um, what about specific to professional services, the business that you're in, EY, the business that I used to be in, what do you think are, are, are the risks um, for the future for that well, professional service? I, there are many, but I see two that I think about mostly, right? Um, the first is about making sure that we can continue to make professional services as attractive as it can be for our young people. Mm -hmm. From what we talked about earlier, right? Mm -hmm. uh, your question on leadership, like yeah. what's important about leadership today versus what it might have been before, right? What's, why, why would people come work for our firm, right? Or any other for that matter? Is because they see a place where they can grow, right? They can, they can do well. They see a place where their purpose is somehow being fulfilled, that the work they do is meaningful, right? And they see a place where what they feel, what they think, and what they say is listened to, and it's a part of the activities of that organization. And those all sound like really nice words, Elaine, but <laughs> putting, uh, putting them into action when companies have to meet short-term results is a real challenge. So the risk that, well, the first risk that I see is that companies aren't, or professional services firms aren't able to do that, mm -hmm. right? Culture to me is the answer to that. That's the first. And the second, is we talked about quite a bit is on making sure that we adapt and we and we we adapt and adopt technology, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, technology for me is one of the biggest things that has always been around and it's going to continue to accelerate. These are the two things that are critical: having an inclusive work, uh, workforce with a strong culture where people can be authentic first, and then the second is making sure that you adopt technology to serve the people who do the work for your clients. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, one of the things I think in, in our preliminary um, conversation that we talked about was the unexpected outcomes um, of the pandemic. And one of them is the booming business in the professional services industry. Why do you think that is? And what are you seeing? I'm, I'm sorry, Elaine, said it again. You cut out a little bit. All right. Yeah, it's the booming business in the professional service industry um, that's come out of the pandemic. It was it was kind of unexpected. Yeah. Um, my question to you is, why do you think that is, and what are you seeing in that space? Oh, uh, yeah. It it was unexpected. I mean, the in in retrospect, maybe we should have expected it. <laughs> um, the so again. Um, 
underlying trends, right, that were there before. Mm -hmm. uh, sort of the, the, the onslaught of technology, the adoption of digital technologies. Um, it is unbelievable how much demand that has driven right now within our firm and within every other that's in this business, right? So this whole idea of, of digitization and people making sure that they're fit for purpose to operate in this new world. Mm -hmm. that's that's more that's more uh digital frankly um and there's just simply pent-up demand mm. right and and so it's been a couple of years and so if you think about this you know there were clear winners and losers out of this pandemic right if you look sadly if you look across the broad population you have millions of people and that are not doing well right yeah and and then you have others who are doing very well and the ones who are doing well are the ones who are able to participate in a more, you know, sort of online economy, if you want to call yes. it that. Yeah. And and the and the others, you know, I, I feel badly for people in the restaurant industry. And mm. in, you know, those yeah. exactly. So so th that's what you're seeing is that the, the 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 part, the online part, driven by technology, has done really well. Uh, you know, we're positioned for it. I mean, we've spent. A lot of time and a lot of investment in making sure we became a, a firm that's more focused on technology, not only using it, but working with our clients. So that's been helpful to us mm -hmm. as, as for others, right? Mm. And, and I think going forward, you will see the same thing happening. And I think you layer over that climate change and sustainability that we talked about a few minutes ago. Mm. I think this is a huge driver for what's coming uh, in terms of making sure that we do everything we can to respect and protect the planet. I, and, and then, you know, maybe the, the, the other one I'd point out is every time something grows with technology where you're using more applications, you're using your, your phones and your iPads and all of those things more, you're doing more things online, you're always going to have people out there who are going to try to do bad things with it, right? Um, oh, yeah. And so you have this whole area of cybersecurity, uh, which I think, is today's important will become even more important down the road. Not to mention, you know, machine learning and automation, yeah, or artificial yeah. intelligence yeah. and all of those things. But it's under the broad banner of technology. That's not slowing down anytime soon. No, that, that is forever morphing, forever changing yeah. because of the complexity of it all. Yeah. Um, let's end this episode uh, as we began. Um, that was talking about the traits of leaders, in particular corporate leaders of today. Um, do you think they need to, um, and I think you do because you've sort of mentioned it, um, adopt a more entrepreneurial, flexible, agile trait, especially to ride the various transitions and unforeseen, unforeseen issues that, that lie ahead? I'm assuming you're going to say yes for that one. <laughs> I, yes, I emphatically, yes. I emphatically say yes, Elaine. I, I, I think you know, what are entrepreneurial leaders? If you, if you pause and think about that for a minute, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's where you have a deep sense of ownership and pride in what you do, right? It, mm -hmm. It's the opposite of the bureaucrat, <laughs> excuse that word. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's someone who does not live off of process, but uses process to achieve a goal for the good of the team. It's, I mean, if, if I think about my client service work or if I think about my friends and relatives who are mm -hmm. uh, entrepreneurs, they take great pride in what they do. And, and they, they, they may do really well financially, 
but it's almost a byproduct, Elaine, mm -hmm. right, of, of the work that they're doing. And I think today in, in organizations, you know, you have to have some degree of joy in helping other people, helping your customers, helping your teams. And you just can't fake that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you have to be a people person. You have to be there. You see a problem and you're somehow motivated to try to solve it, right? And, 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 and to bring people along as you're doing it. That to me uh, is kind of how I think about entrepreneurship. And is that necessary? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's the one thing that, you know, will get us through any kind of challenge that we have in front of us. Um, in the spirit of balance, I'm going to speak up for the bureaucrats here and, and see what you think. What about, you know, some of the unexpected um, characteristics that the leaders of today must acquire or awaken or, or start to exhibit, if you like? Is it a tall order or something that you're seeing be embraced? You know, this ever-changing goalpost. I mean, the, the, the skills and um, characteristics that was acquired entering into this leadership position now has changed. Now you've been asked to do something very different. Do you, do you think that's fair? Do you think that's normal? What are your thoughts on this? Well, if it, it is normal, once you, you know, sort of make your way up an organization, especially a large one, mm -hmm. where, where the work becomes your driver, right? And then you become, you know, most, almost automatic in the delivery of whatever reporting or, or, or meeting or whatnot that you, that you need. That, I, I, I think that's, that happens to people. Mm -hmm. For me, a cure to that is go listen to the customers mm -hmm. and, 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 and the employees, like directly, not, not through surveys. Surveys are helpful, but, but go make the connection directly and listen to what they're telling you. And you should always be doing that because I think that will keep you grounded. Um, it'll help you to, to be better on that journey of inspiration <laughs> uh, because the you know my best thoughts come when i i speak with our younger people right mm -hmm. and when i speak with our clients and those two to me are the most important things you know to help me to to figure out what's important you know when when, when i do my day-to-day well, that's, good. Oh, well, that's good to hear. This has been an absolute pleasure and an insightful conversation. Jay Bassard, many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you, Elaine. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.